This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Welcome to another ATP Tennis Radio podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and this week oh, we have something special lined up. We're all in isolation, of course. That includes the players and the coaches. And I managed to sit down and record a chat through the miracles of modern technology with Jamie Delgado, coach of Andy Murray. That's coming up shortly. But first, a roundup of this week's big news. And on Wednesday, as widely anticipated, it was announced by the All England Club that Wimbledon had been cancelled for the first time since the Second World War. That obviously due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. I hardly need to say that anymore. So huge a factor it's become in all of our lives. In conjunction with that cancellation, the ATP and WTA also announced the continued suspension of both tours until July the 13th, 2020. In addition to Wimbledon, that suspension now covers the whole European grass court swing, including the ATP events in Sotogenbosch, Stuttgart, London's Queen's Club, Halle, Mallorca and Eastbourne, as well as WTA events in Sotogenbosch, Nottingham, Birmingham, Berlin, Eastbourne and Bad Homburg, as well as the ATP Challenger Tour and ITF World Tennis Tour. At this time, tournaments taking place from July 13th onwards are still planning to proceed as per the published schedule. Stay glued to atptour.com for all the latest, including the best of the players' tweets in response to what's going on. From Roger Federer practicing at home in the snow this week to Rafa Nadal sweating it out on the treadmill. So Wimbledon, the first Grand Slam to be cancelled this year after Roland Garros announced previously that their event is to move to September. Another grass court favourite cancelled this year is Queen's in London, where we had full radio coverage last year as Andy Murray made his long-awaited return to action in the doubles. And what a return it was alongside good friend Feliciano Lopez. The eye formation anyway, it is on the Murray forehand plate, nicely by Kamal on the backhand volley. Oh, again it takes a net, again it goes in from Andy Murray. Well, Sebastian Kamal's on his back. Well, this gets a bit of a standing ovation from the crowd, it's only the first set. The serve here on the forehand, hammered there by Kamal straight at Murray, got the volley back. Now he's got to play the high long, and he did it well, Andy Murray. The high backhand volley, he did it beautifully. A couple of metres behind his baseline, he goes down the line again, and he's made it. And he heard the roar from him. Oh, it was a big gap, but my words, did Andy Murray find it. Rifling the forehand down the line, into the tram lines. Serves into the body, you know, low volley from Lopez, and a reflex volley by Murray, and a second reflex, it's Murray won the point. And that's why there's such a roar. It was a reflex first time, but the second he had to play it off the bounce. And he found the gap. Andy Murray is scratch pairing with Feliciano Lopez against the top seeds and the best pair on the tour this year. They are the leading pair in the race to the ATP finals. Lopez at match point, serves down the middle, back and returns, that's it! Who would have thought it? Five months after talking as if his career was over, 
Andy Murray celebrates a win, albeit first round doubles, albeit not at a Masters 1000 or a slam, but nonetheless, he's out there. And there is a look of great satisfaction to say nothing of this. There's a massive smile on Murray's face. He's waving to the crowd now, but they'd love this. And they didn't stop there. 9-5, championship point. Missed first serve just wide from Murray. Still eye formation for Murray and Lopez. Second serve for the Scott serve. Wide, miss return from Salisbury. And Murray and Lopez have done it. What a return for Andy Murray. So long out of the sport, all of the painful injury issues forgotten. In his first tournament back, he wins it here at the Fever Tree Championships, and Feli Lopez has done the double. <laughs> He's won the singles and the doubles as they get the better of Ram and Salisbury. 7-6, 5-7, and then 10 points to six in the match tiebreak. A stunning performance from Lopez and Murray to delight the fans here on Centre Court. So, delight for Murray at Queen's last year with Lopez also claiming the singles title, which he'll hold on to for two years without picking up a racket, of course. The grass court swing, a total write-off this year, and that is where I began with this week's star guest, Jamie Delgado. Among other things, we talked about Andy Murray and how he's getting on, but as a Brit who lives in Southfields, I started by asking him about the cancellation of his beloved Wimbledon. Well, I think it's just something that's just come out of nowhere, isn't it? This virus, it's, I mean, hugely disappointing and, you know, it's the, it's the highlight of the year, especially for all British players and I'm sure for, for most of the players on the tour as well. It's, it's, uh, it's tough to put into words, really. I've never, I've never been, you know, in my lifetime, it's never not been played. I think it was last not played. I think it was World War Two. I think. But Wimbledon is the you know the biggest tournament in the world, no doubt. And um, yeah, it's the, it's the tournament that I always grew up watching and wanting to be involved in. You know, it's obviously local to me as well. And it's uh, you know the beginning of every tennis season. It's it's always a the, the one tournament that you've got your eye on always. But look, it's the same for everybody. It's unbelievably disappointing for everybody. Um, and uh, we'll just have to look forward to it for next year. I mean, it's a uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of struggling to have the words to, to describe the uh, the situation, really, apart from there's nothing that anybody can do, really. And I I do see tennis as a, as a different situation because it's such an international global sport. It might be the one that takes the longest to get back on its feet because it's requiring so many players and coaches and officials and sponsors. Everyone's kind of flying in from all different parts of the globe. And you kind of need no restrictions from any countries really to make these events happen. You know, it's not like a, a domestic football league that we have here where, you know, if everybody's here, you could you could just play it and, and get on with the matches and you, no one's needed to, to fly in or fly out. But for tennis, it's um, it's going to be it's going to take longer, I think. I was going to ask you about the wider implications for tennis, because, you know, while, you know, the top guys have considerable money in the bank and you know they don't necessarily need to be out there playing at the moment a lot of these players not to mention coaches physios and all kinds of people working in tennis don't necessarily have you know months and even years of money in the bank effectively everyone's self-employed what 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 is the collateral damage to to tennis here yeah I mean I think that's something that 
is very obvious and clear, isn't it? I mean, like you say, the top players are. They're they're obviously losing a lot of money by not playing, but at least they they'll have enough <laughs> in the bank and in reserve to to see them through. It's it's the other players that is going to be tough, and then like you say, it trickles down to coaches or physios and you know federations around the world if certain events aren't happening, and and uh, it kind of does trickle down to to everyone really. So um, I don't know what's going to be done with that. I don't know what should be done with that. I don't know what uh, how that will be resolved. But there's no doubt that a lot of players, you know, might not be able to see this through. You know, people who are not making that much money, you know, can they afford to not be on the tour for a year and have nothing coming in? I mean, you know, that's going to put them in a difficult situation. Yeah, this it's. Uh, I'm sure these things are being discussed. You know, with the top organizations, the ATP, WTA, the the ITF, and hopefully they can. You know, the Grand Slams. Hopefully they can all come together at this time and and. From a pretty catastrophic situation, hopefully, you know something positive that would come out of it would be would be for everyone to to be working well together and, and see if they can make it work together because, uh, you know, that that would be a, a, a positive thing that would come out of it. How and you know how are you keeping in these difficult times? Presumably at home. Um, what are you up to? Yeah, it's a tough time, isn't it for for everyone? Um, I guess not just on the tennis tour, just that the whole world is is. Uh, kind of come to a bit of a halt which obviously includes us but um yeah i'm just at home and and uh i actually haven't left the house in the last couple of days but we're we're obviously allowed to, to go to the shops and get some food and then you're allowed out once a day for for your exercise which which i'll be doing today but um yeah it's frustrating really i mean what we but i guess everyone in in is in the same boat and uh it's just a bit of a sort of acceptance of the situation and yeah, I mean, it does give you a chance at home to sort of do some stuff at home that you, you know, maybe didn't find time to do. I mean, I've been doing a lot of sort of tidying up, clearing up and getting stuff that I don't need out the out of my place and, and stuff like that. So you're still trying to get something done here. But yeah, I mean, walking around, I've, you know, it's been the same. I mean, I live in, in uh, Southfields by Wimbledon and, um, you know, exactly the same. You know, it's kind of one in, one out, out of the food stores and, and you know, two metres of distance. Um which actually I think in the last kind of week or so in my area anyway, it's been really well done, I think. I mean, people are respecting it pretty well. I know it wasn't quite the same a couple of weeks ago when I went out and about sort of in Wimbledon Common. There was there was there was so many people about and it was it, it didn't feel right, especially after, you know, the Prime Minister telling us to to just you know, about social distancing and, and stuff like that. So I'm glad that that's been tightened up, but yeah, it's just strange times, isn't it? And you're kind of walking around, and any time sort of someone comes a bit closer to you, you kind of maybe take a little subconsciously take a step away. And there's, it's definitely, I'm definitely feeling careful and cautious of getting too close to people, just in case, you know, I guess someone uh, sneezes or coughs on you or something like that. It's, um, I don't know, it's going to be interesting as well when this is all over, how it sort of changes people as well. That's what I've kind of been thinking about a little bit as well, how it will change people's behaviors even when we do get back to normal will people be more conscious of of you know germs and all these kind of things uh, i don't know really but it's um yes yeah, it's, it's a pretty strange existence at the moment i mean i guess we're all not able to see our our families i mean my parents were on a cruise actually in in uh, sort of central america a couple of weeks ago and luckily got a flight back but they're obviously stuck in in, in their house and not able to you know, to see me or, or my other two brothers. So it's, uh, 
you know, it's tough for everyone, really. A lot of FaceTime calling, isn't it, with 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 family and friends? And uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to go on for a little longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and for coach for coaches, I guess um, a lot of FaceTime and remote, um, you know, contact with your players. I mean, how, how is Andy? I have to ask. Presumably, hold up at home as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we were practicing, you know, for a couple of weeks ago, obviously on on hard and and you know, looking to maybe play in Miami. And we were kind of just hanging on here and, and seeing what was happening because we were obviously aware of the cancellation of the Indian Wells event. So we got sort of kind of hung on. And, and then uh, and then when that happened, then we started practicing on clay for some days, which was which was really good, actually. It was, uh, that was going well. And, um, and then bit by bit, it all started closing down, really. So, yeah, he's been at home, just like all of us, and, and been with his family and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's there's only so much that you can do, really, isn't there? There's definitely not been any tennis practice or anything like that, as as I'm sure is the same with, with everybody. So it's uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, really, how how the restrictions are going forwards for everyone in terms of you know getting back on the court and keeping your eye on. At least, obviously, we're, we're aware that the tennis tour might not be up and running for a while, but you know, it'd still be it'd still be good for the players to keep their eye on at least. Through, through this time if anything just for a bit of boredom as well to do something they enjoy hopefully yeah no ex- exactly I mean how imminent in terms of Andy's comeback latest comeback I guess um, how imminent was that and realistically was he really looking at playing in Miami uh, we were I mean we were discussing it and, and seeing it there wasn't any sort of decision made we were still here in London it wasn't uh, I think the fact of the, the the virus was kind of putting it on on hold as well, just as much. It was. It wasn't like there was a clear decision from from our side. But he's getting closer. I mean, he's. It's tough to put a. You know, if the, if the tour was there normally without this disruption, it would be. You know, I don't know what 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 exact tournament he was going to come back playing. But he's. You know, he's been definitely practicing the the last two or three weeks, and and uh, you know, in my opinion, it, it was he was making good progress. So that was that that was good news. Yeah, it must be so frustrating. I mean, what you t- you talk about. You know the fact that he's not, players won't really do it, be doing much at, at the moment, and certainly not hitting. Um, what is the routine at the moment for for Andy and for you as well? I mean, you know, day to day, hour to hour. What what can you do? I mean, from my own point of view, I um, you know he's obviously had a couple of injuries in the last couple of years. I've used the time to I did a, a coaching course here at the LTA, which was which was really good with with Louis Kaye, who does the you know the coaching program here for the LTA and I'm actually also having a session with him uh, on Friday you know from my point of view as a coach it's good to have someone that you know you can learn a lot of you know someone with so much experience um, he can really kind of help us in areas that we feel that we need to have more help on so I, I try to improve myself from that point of view but in terms of planning tournaments like you've just kind of asked a minute ago it's very difficult at the moment because you know, we don't know when the when the when the tour is going to get back playing. It could be, you know, in a couple of months. It might not be for the rest of this year. So I think this is kind of a, a unique situation for everybody, where it's 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 really tough to plan. I mean, I think the you know what you can do from from a player's perspective is stay in shape, stay in in good physical condition, which I think they all naturally do anyway. You know, in the, in the slight sort of positive outlook that things can change quite quickly, and you could be playing within a couple of months. You need to be. Uh, in good physical shape, really. In terms of tennis, it's tough because they, you know, unless you have a, a private court at your house, you can't, you know, here in, in, in London anyway, all the clubs are closed, all the parks are closed. 
it's um you know it's impossible to to be hitting balls i was going to ask you about that i mean how many of the the top players at least have a court at home Do, does andy have a, a court at home does he have a you know a gym at home because in in one respect you you you'd think it would be fairly obvious thing for them to have in their houses if they've got big gardens. But, you know, uh, by the same token, a player might not want a tennis court in his house because, you know, it's the last thing he wants to do when he's at home. So how, how many of the guys w- will be able to hit at the moment even? Yeah, I mean, I don't actually know the answer to that question, how many of them have a court at home. Andy doesn't have a court at home. I mean, he's obviously got a garden and I think, I think for players, they can still be kind of, I think it's still important to have a racket in your hand as well every now and again, even if you're not playing properly on a tennis court, if you're just kind of hitting against the wall and, you know, rolling a few serves over and things like that. I think because when you don't play for a while and then you kind of come back on the court, especially serving, it's it does can create some niggles and some pains and some injuries even, you know, in your shoulder or your elbow because you're just not used to it. So I think I do think it's important just to keep your eye and, and have a racket in your hand and hit a few balls even if it's against the wall or little games or, or, or something like that, I, I would say it's really important. But in terms of how many guys have got caught in the house, I don't actually know. But if they haven't, you know, with how the rules are here anyway in, in, in London, it's very, very hard to hit. You imagine them sort of getting the, the old the old style golf net out in the garden so that they can at least serve into that or they got something that they can, you know, some way to serve. Because as you say, the serve must just be the part of the game that, you know, with all the, the movements and the what it does to your to your body yeah is that the most important element of the game to and in terms of movement to keep on doing i think so yeah i mean i think when you when you don't play for a long time that is the hardest shot to get back as well because there's so many different moving parts like you say and um the timing of it is 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 uh, normally much more difficult than the normal ground strokes i think like every player is obviously different but I think most players would, would find it a lot easier to get their timing back on their forehand and backhand than it would be on their serve. So, yeah, I mean, I would recommend definitely, you know, rolling their arm over or trying to get some service motions going. Definitely not just for your timing. Like I say, from a, from an injury point of view as well, it's 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 quite important to do that, I think. You, you mentioned before that um, you've been doing coaching courses in, in your off time. In a funny way, you, you're probably more prepared for this than than most because of the waiting game you've played you know with Andy do you, do you feel like it's kind of groundhog day in a way you you're back in the situation of just you know <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's um yeah obviously for me there's been a lot of you know hanging around the last few years um so this is the last thing that that we needed now really with with the uh, you know with Andy getting close to to playing again was was this virus to come along so yeah, I mean, I guess you know, for completely different reasons, it's kind of similar in a way in, in terms of you know still staying at home and, and not getting out the tour, which is ultimately what we want to be doing, really. So um, yeah, I'm kind of maybe maybe a bit more mentally prepared for the hanging around side of it, but um, I still, like I say, I still plan to use the the, the time wisely. We're actually doing the the LTA is actually arranging, which is which is great of them for for ten or fifteen coaches or so and and. Uh, team leaders is a, is a mentor course that that we're going to be doing in this month actually in the middle of this month it starts so things like that I'm really I'm really looking forward to yeah I wanted to ask a bit more about that as well just the fact that you, you know you're obviously constantly looking to improve yourself you're taking these courses you're listening to to new people do, do you think being prepared to learn is a mindset that you need to kind of 
get into, whether you're a player or or a coach? Because I think I'm right in saying that actually as an elite coach, you don't necessarily need any qualifications at all. So to to go back to the classroom effectively, um, does it take a certain mentality to do that? Um, I think, I mean, I'd like to think that, that uh, you know, all tennis players to get to, especially if they're, they're getting to the higher parts of the game, they have that mentality. I mean, the, the best players in the world are still trying to improve. So I'm, I'd hope that would be a, a common you know mentality that everyone has in the game and if not it, it should be because you never you never you know the best at anything or perfect at anything there's different areas that everybody can improve and yeah i think as a, from a coach's point of view i've i've kind of definitely had that view in in recent years that there should be a you know when players are coming to the end of their career and if they have a an idea or an inkling that they might be interested in in, in pursuing coaching, for example, on the tour, and, and uh, if that would be of interest to them, that there should be a good coaching course that is provided for the players to to prepare them for that. So I think a lot of the time, you know, ex players will will stop playing and 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 then get a job on the tour, uh, especially if they've been good players and they will get jobs. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're prepared to to be a good coach. So I think the, you know, the ex players have a have a great advantage in in having experienced the tour and and played in matches and and have dealt with all the emotions that come with the tour and the ups and downs and how to deal with the pressures and 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 everything that goes with it. They have a huge advantage. But if they were to actually spend some time sort of learning their new trade, because ultimately it's it's a new job. It's still the same sport, but it is a completely different mindset and job to be a, a coach than it is to be a player so um i do feel quite strongly about that that there should be there should be more done for players coming towards the end of their career that that want to that want to get into coaching if you could go back and talk to that young 14 year old who just won the orange bowl i think you were 14 yeah. what would you tell him i think just to keep um to, to sort of look always look in the, the the bigger picture really i think a lot of i think a lot of juniors and sometimes not through any fault of their own there's a lot of pressure from from different people around you is, is you're always looking for short-term results you know whether that's to get into certain tournaments or to get on certain trips that you get picked for or whether it's uh, you're looking for wild cards or funding there's always that pressure to have results straight away and um, I think it's very important to have the vision of what player you want to become in the in the long run and keep working towards that and um i think with that mindset it's uh it would uh help a lot of players uh, achieve a lot more i think and how receptive is andy when you come in say you've you know you, you come in with a new new idea or a, you know a new theory or something new that you've you've learnt or you've been looking at is he because I can imagine with his dry sense of humor he's sort of you know he'd say oh you know you've, you've been you've been learning this you know and it, it, is he receptive or is he um you know how how much is he willing to to change and and adapt as well yeah I think so very much so he's he's he would be one that I would I would view as someone who's always looking for different ways to improve and, he, and, and and naturally he's always demanding the best as, as he should be so I would say he's he's open he's obviously you know I think it would be wrong for people to to come up with suggestions or theories or anything like that like you say without having something to to back it up or having your belief to it and having your reasons of why you're suggesting these things 
So I don't think it would be right to be sort of making, you know, these kind of new ideas with not having thought it through and, and having a, a, a proper plan to it uh, and a vision with it. That would that would be wrong. But but um, no, I think he, I think he's very open. And I think a bit of debate is, is also good. Doesn't mean that, you know, every time I'll, uh, you know, he agree with everything I say, but it's um, I think it's healthy to have a bit of debate. Definitely. Jamie, I've got a few quick fire questions I just want to finish with. But before I do that, I've just got one more question that I really want to ask you about Andy. Remembering back really to, you know, to Queens, I guess, and when he had that wonderful tournament and he was coming back and, you know, he was making a big deal out of the fact that he was just happy to be back and enjoying the game and but he was still finding time to shout back at his box, you know, or, you know, parts of him just don't change, do they? He's so competitive what what are you thinking when that's happening when he's out there he's back out there he's you know he's he's loving just being back out playing tennis but he's still you know he's still got it in him to just be I don't know what he's saying to you at the time but do you find that amusing or do you what is your reaction to that when he's still sort of you know making these comments back to his box is that just part of Andy Murray yeah I think it is I mean I think he's he's always been like that hasn't he ever since I started watching him play when he was a teenager he's been like that so it's uh yeah I mean I think it's just the way he's kind of wired and it's uh it's obviously a sign as well that he's back and and doing what he loves really and uh and competing and and sort of getting really into the moment I think um you know he's, he's obviously played some exceptional tennis with that kind of fiery character that he has on the court so in a way it's a you know, when you see that, you, you, you know he's kind of on his way back. What's the most likely piece of banter the next time you see Andy? Oh, it's always football. I mean, although that's always sort of dried up now because it's uh, it seems pretty irrelevant now in these times. But yeah, it's always banter is always. Uh, I'm not going to say 100, percent but it's very high percentage is, is normally on football. So uh, so who support who supports who? I'm Man United, and uh, he's Arsenal. So. So no one's winning much at the minute, but but United are winning more. <laughs> yeah, well, as a Liverpool fan, I'm kind of fearing that the well, whole season is going to be written off. This is going to just be absolutely dreadful. Yeah, well, speak for yourself. Yeah, no, no, no I'm only joking. I think they should, they should definitely. I would like them to finish the season and 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 win it. They do deserve it, but it's it would be a bit of a smirk on the face at the same time if if it didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Too, oh, God, really. Uh, if that happens, I just after thirty <laughs> years, it would just be unbelievable. Anyway, I, I can't even take myself there at the moment. It would just be dreadful. <laughs> Two more to finish. Both tennis related. Get back to the tennis. Who is the harder player to plan a game against? Is it Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, or Novak Djokovic? Actually, since I've been with Andy, he's not played Roger uh, in recent years. So I haven't had to, to, to play against him. It was I guess, quite close to happening in 2016, Wimbledon finally. Roger lost in the semis to to Raonic there, but that match hasn't actually happened. Um, I would say Djokovic. I think he would be the one that's got the least weaknesses uh, than anyone. So, you know, quite often in in, in match tactics and, and strategy, you're you're trying to expose not you know not only use your strengths but trying to expose people's weaknesses a bit more. And I think he's the uh, the toughest one to to find those weaknesses with. While all this is going on, what's your favourite way to pass the time? My favorite, uh, my favorite way to pass the time. I think um, I haven't really found a favorite way to. Uh, I mean, I, I've 
Is there a podcast? Is there a box set? No, I've kind of just recently, actually, embarrassingly, I've only just started sort of getting myself on Netflix recently. So I'm kind of watching a lot of... Uh, I watched Tiger King a few days ago. That was mental, that. <laughs> Anyone who's listening to this, just have a little have a little watch of that series. It's, it was crazy. But So I think, yeah, just watching... I love watching documentaries. You know, Louis Theroux, these kind of people like that. So uh, I think that would probably be my, my most enjoyable. And my thanks, all of our thanks to Jamie Delgado. Before we go, last week's hashtag tennis at home came from Dominic Team, the world number three. This week, it's the turn of a Canadian Wimbledon finalist of recent times. Can you guess who it is by the name of... Hey guys, it's Milos Raonic. Um... I've been home now for a little while. It's uh, obviously been a tough time. I hope you, your loved ones, and the people closest to you are safe and well. I think it's very important for everybody to be staying home and doing their part in trying to slow this down so everybody can get through this tough period of time as quickly as possible, as safely as possible, and also considering the safety of the people close to them and their loved ones. So what's been keeping him busy during this enforced timeout? With all this time staying home, it's actually been nice to catch up a lot with people. I think everybody's lives have slowed down quite a bit. So with a lot of friends that I don't see, um, we've been able to virtually keep up with each other, a lot of FaceTime. So that's been nice. Uh, and that's been a daily constant of uh, making sure that we take time to speak with each other. So that's been definitely a positive change. Starting to cook, I think it's been a lot healthier for me and uh, taking care of those things. And uh, it's just created a new skill set for me. And lastly, I think taking the time to uh, to do things that I don't have a chance often is for reading, um, catching up on a few shows, catching up on a lot of things like that. And just trying to really make the most of this time away from tennis because it is such a big part of my life away from the travel and all that kind of things there's been a lot of things that haven't come easy but i've tried to do as much as i can to make the most of it and uh, i'd love to share and also hear from you guys and hopefully you share what has been new for you three things that you have either discovered or revisited during this period of time that have had a positive and hopefully lasting impact on your life so share with tennis at home and we'll have more hashtag tennis at home next week thanks to milos raonic and of course before that andy murray's coach jamie delgado we hope you enjoyed that interview there are plenty more exclusive chats in the pipeline over the coming weeks we're with the incomparable freddie rosengren coach now of karen hatchinoff and as coaching gigs go they don't get much bigger than pete sampras and then Roger Federer and Paul Anacone coached both. We'll also be patching Paul in for a chat. That all to look forward to. For now, from me, Seb Lozier, thanks for listening. Stay home, stay safe. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. review.